Welcome to episode 54 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40 percent lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein, so I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to 
toneprotein.com. Sign up with your name and email and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 54 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing great. How about you? Anything new going on? I'm good. I'm probably doing the big move this week, hopefully. So that will... Hopefully the last one for a while, right? Hopefully. I 
I hope so. I really <laughs> hope so. I am so over it. Oh, yeah. So I've, I'm always listening, as you know, to podcasts and audiobooks and stuff. And I've been picking up all these random little facts throughout the week that I was like, oh, I have to talk about these on the podcast. So here are a few. They're really random. Okay. Um, I was listening to that book, Vibe, that I think I mentioned before about like yes. the energy stuff. And she mentioned four things that increase autophagy. So I thought, ooh, I'd love to know what they are. They're really random. Is one of them coffee? I don't know. You know, coffee might have been one of them. (laughs) I didn't write that down here, but that might have been one of them. Pineapple. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Oh, well, caffeine. So, yeah. mm -hmm. Resveratrol. Right. So represent the wine. And then, um, like the the ECG. The stuff in green tea, the EPA, right. gal, whatever it's called, the ECGC. Yeah. Oh, and then also um, short-term resistance, like muscle building and HIIT. So that's more than four yeah. things. So that was that. Oh, and I was listening to some other podcast, and they were saying that there are four types of sleepers, and 15% of people are early risers. This made me feel better about things. Fifteen <laughs> percent are like night shift type people, so super late. So that's sort of like uh-huh. me. Then fifty percent, so like half are in the middle, and then thirty percent just never sleep well. Wow, I'm like a combination between the never sleep well and the the late. How about you? Well, I'm definitely an early riser. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very interested to see what's going to happen after I retire, though. Like, when will I start to get up? Like, right now, um, I get into a routine. My alarm goes off at 5.30. So even over spring break, when I had a week off, the first part of it, my eyes still popped open, you know, at 5.30 every day. And then towards the end of it, though, I I wasn't waking up at 5.30 anymore. So I was still waking up by about 6.30. But, like, when the time changes, I, it's it's always hard for me to shift because my body gets into that routine. So we'll see what happens. I'm very interested to see what my natural rhythm is going to be because it's been so long since I haven't been ruled by an alarm clock. Yeah, I imagine it will probably adjust later. It does. It does during the summer. I've noticed that in the past. You know, I'll still – I'm still an early riser, though. I'm, I'm not sleeping until, you know, like 8. I, I don't sleep that late, even in the summer. But we'll see what happens over time. I'm excited to find out. One last thing. You know how we were talking about turmeric and black pepper? Yes. How you should combine them? Yep. I was listening to that ATP Project podcast, which has officially become my new obsession podcast – they said that you should not combine pepper. Okay, with well, why not? And then, oh, and, and the first time I heard it, because I've been listening to them out of order. Yeah, and they were like, "We've talked about this all the time, but you shouldn't add pepper with turmeric." And I was like, "Oh, I need to find all the episodes now where they talk about pepper and turmeric." They said that there was a few different reasons. One of the reasons was that apparently. Turmeric's a lot of turmeric's benefits. A lot of turmeric's benefits come from its effect in the gut, in the GI tract, and adding black pepper 
speeds up its absorption to the liver. So it kind of short circuits the goodness that it should be doing in the GI tract. And then they also said that um, adding black pepper actually counteracts one of its major detox functions in the liver and the gut as well. Well, that is fascinating. They said, I went on their website and they said, gluconeridation, I don't know what that is, is induced by NRF2 gene activation by turmeric to help detoxify things like xenoestrogens, estrogen, and other pollutants, plastics, etc. But black pepper blocks it so turmeric can sneak past the digestive system, mucosa, and liver. But this is pointless because that is how and where it works. Ah, well then I wonder how the, the whole idea to have it with black pepper gained such traction. I don't know. I mean, I guess it does shuttle it to the liver, so there's yeah. that, but yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Now we don't know what to do. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Maybe half the time have it with Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cover your bases. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have been doing some, some interesting learning this week myself that I want to share that um, – it's fascinating. I actually sent you this earlier, but I'm going to share it with the listeners. You know, we had the um, the Keto Mojo people on the podcast about a month ago or so, maybe six weeks, but I'm not sure. It's been a while. Time's flying. But, of course, we both started testing our, um, our blood ketones, and I was surprised that they were lower than I, you know, quote, thought they should be, right? You know, we, we know we go into ketosis. We know that fasting is a great way to get into ketosis. And so why were my blood ketone readings not higher? I was getting like a 0. 0.3, 0. 0.1 sometimes. I, the most I ever got was a 0. 0.5. And you go to all the, the websites that talk about optimal ke- blood ketone levels, and, you know, they're talking about much, much higher than that. So, um, I was like, well, gosh, what's happening? You know, why, why are my blood ketone levels at a 0.3 or 0.1 or the max of a 0.5? And then a friend of mine sent me a um, an article from the Optimizing Nutrition website. And the article is actually really in-depth. We'll link this on the show notes page. But it's called, Does Insulin Resistance Really Cause Obesity? And it goes into so many different things. But there's one section that really was what I needed to read right at that moment, and it was called Optimal Versus Insulin-Resistant Blood Sugar and Blood Ketone Levels. And it was fascinating to me because, you know, common assumption is that if you're in ketosis and you're fat-adapted, that you're going to have this really high level of, of blood ketones and that that is what we want. But... Actually, um, there was a whole bunch of data graph. There's a graph down there that has like, the, you know, the, the sweet spot that you're looking for. And they were looking at the um, the best time for having, you know, autophagy and your mitochondrial um, benefits. And that was actually found when your blood gl- glucose levels and your ketone levels were on the lower end versus... If you have a lot going on in your bloodstream at any moment, a lot of, you know, high glucose levels, high ketone levels, that's actually not optimal. So here's a quote from from this article. It says, it appears from this data that people who are metabolically healthy tend to have lower blood glucose and lower ketone values, even if they're following a ketogenic diet. And of course, this is me speaking 
um, fasting is ketogenic. So we're not eating to get um, our, our ketogenic benefits. We're fasting to get them. But then the article goes on to say, if your goal is to use body fat for fuel, then you will want to be further to the left of this chart with lower total energy in your bloodstream from glucose and ketones. So the left side of the chart was the side with lower blood glucose and lower ketones. So I was like, what's mind blown? Because we always tend to think the higher, the better. But that's not what this article is saying at all. Um, and this led me to a video which was an interview with Dr. Benjamin Bickman. Are you familiar with him? I had not really been familiar with him before. This. I wasn't familiar with him, but I watched the video. It was very interesting. It it was very, very interesting. And these are, again, people in the keto community. And um, they talked a lot about ketosis and what you want to have as your optimal levels. And they, they talked about the, the rule of thumb of 0.5 that, you know, people thought, you know, unless you were above 0.5, you were really not getting the benefits of ketosis. And they talked about how they actually disagree with that number and that 0 0.1, 0 0.3, that's actually what, that's, that's what happens over time. You know, the longer you've been living these lifestyles, whether it's um, eating the keto diet or being, you know, intermittent fasting and, and getting your ketosis that way, that they're actually rethinking that 0.5. So it was fascinating. They actually talked about the keto mojo and that they typically end up with a 0.1 or a 0.3 or something like that themselves. So I was like, well, that makes me feel better with my 0.3. Um, and one other thing um, that I thought was fascinating, you know, people are always asking, you know, do I have insulin resistance and how do I know if my insulin is low? And on this Dr. Benjamin Bickman video that, um, that we'll link in the show notes, they talked about, you know, we can't measure insulin at home. It would sure be nice if we could, right? We would know if our circulating levels of insulin are low because if they are, you're more likely to tap into your stored fat. But they said that measuring your blood ketones can actually give you a clue as to whether your insulin is low because if you're getting anything above 0.1 blood ketones, 0.1, you know, 0.3, something like that, that's a sign that your insulin yeah, is low. Yeah, I really liked that takeaway. I did too. That was, and I was like, ding, ding, ding. You know, we can't, we can't measure our insulin at home, but we can measure if we have the ketone mojo or another way of measuring your blood ketones, we can know that if we have that, that anything above a low, basically, as long as you're using the, the monitor, anything above a low shows that, that you're having the benefits. And we don't necessarily over time want them to be really high if we're metabolically healthy, but it just, it's, I, I'm going to do more reading about it. And this is, this is all really, I think, um, a new area of research in, in the world, right? We no, just, it was really fascinating. I the caveat they did make was that high levels would be important if you're doing therapeutic ketogenic diet. So if you're right. doing it for like a exactly. brain condition and that's where you're hardcore supplementing with, you, you know, I mean, you might be <laughs> hardcore supplementing with like oils and MCT oil and things like that. But right. um, for the everyday man or woman, <laughs> the lower levels were, were fine. This is a, another quote from the, um, from the Optimizing Nutrition article, but I, I'm, I'm going to read it because it's, it's so important. It says, as detailed in this article, which there's a link to in the Optimizing Nutri Nutrition article, 
BHB ketones can be seen as a storage or transport form of ketones that can be used by the brain and heart but need to be converted back to acetoacetate to be used by the rest of the body. While they appear to be useful in some therapeutic situations, higher BHB, for the most part, should be seen as an indication of excess energy status rather than excellent metabolic health. And that's the part that just, you know, blew my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> so actually, you know, instead of me thinking, why are my, my blood ketone levels not higher? I would think they would be that it actually may be indicative of, of better health. So the reason I wanted to bring this up, you know, long story short, do we even need to be measuring all this? I don't know that we do, but some, some longtime group members started testing their blood ketones too. And they're like, wait, why is it not higher? Shouldn't it be higher? So this is just, I think, giving us one more thing to stress out about <laughs> or worry that we're not doing right. You know, why are our ketone levels not what we quote think they should be, right? I tried another keto type experiment <laughs> as per usual. Because in the past when I've been testing, and I told you this, I've been getting the low reading, even after fasting right. for a really long time. And so I hardcore tried to do like the keto-ness um, for a few days. I didn't make it that long. I'm going to try again. <laughs> but needless to say, I did start registering on the meter, which made me excited. So I was like, that's exciting. Yeah. But something that it told me personally was, so I've been, like I said, I've been having like brain fog recently and things like that, which have really been bothering me. And I was thinking, oh, well, if I get hardcore, you know, into ketosis, that should go away. But I was measuring, reading, measuring the ketones and having the ketones on the meter. It was like 0.4.5, but I still had brain fog. So I was like, this is good, a piece of information for me. That it's it's coming from something Yeah. So I was like, that's actually very reassuring. So I think, I think for those type of things, you know, testing can be pretty important, but for the everyday person who's just trying to get the benefits of ketosis from fasting or diet or whatever, um, yeah, I don't think you need to stress as much about the Right. Right. And people do, whenever we measure anything, we stress about it. We're like, why is this not higher? Why is this not lower? You know, now, now that I've said this, someone is going to test themselves and they're going to get like a 1.5 and they're going to say, oh no, Jen said it needs to be (laughs) 0.3. Right. No, people don't do that either. Don't do that either. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think that um, we don't want to obsess about it either way, but it explained a lot. Um, so I highly recommend the, the article, Does Insulin Resistance Really Cause Obesity? And then within that, um, there's a video with Dr. Benjamin Bickman that, that went into more details. Fascinating stuff. And I really think we're just learning more, more and more. And the values that we you know get thrown around like everyone needs to be 0.5 and above, some of these things just get said so many times that people just repeat them as gospel. And we really just... A lot of the best articles I've read are written by scientists who say things like, but we really just still don't know everything about this, you know, but we really are still learning, you know, they'll say. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Exactly. And then one of the other things, people stress out about having too much protein k- kicking them out of ketosis. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really silly. And it seems like um, most most of the sources that I've read and then they talked about in that video as well that you right. don't really have to worry 
fascinating stuff. So we, we highly recommend these two resources because I love learning new things and these just really, really spoke to me this week. Are we ready to get started with our, with our listener feedback? Yes. <laughs> All righty. So to start things off, we have a few listener feedback emails. So the first email comes from Winnie and the subject is Jen and her trial and error with IF. And Winnie says, I wanted to tell you how much it meant to me to hear you say how long it took for you to get IF to work completely. I read your books and am a member of both Facebook groups. It's so crazy that you and I have had a very similar diet journey. I'm 49 and also live in the South. All the diets and books you talked about in your first book, I have also done or read. We even did the five bite diet at the same time. (laughs) I started doing IF in May of 2017. I am only down 11 pounds so far, but so many other health benefits have happened along the way. I do a clean fast with a five-hour window. During the week, I fast for 19 to 20 hours, but have come to notice I can go 24 hours on the weekend with only one meal when I open my window. I know if I'd only clean up my food choices, I would lose. I restricted my food for so long that it's so hard for me to deny myself anything during my eating window. So when I heard that you struggled with IF for a few years, but finally figured it out, that meant the world to me. It gives me hope, so thank you. And that podcast came at the exact time I needed it when I was questioning things and myself. You do not know how much I appreciate all you do. You are truly my inspiration. So that was a great little email from Winnie to Jen. (laughs) Yep, thank you, Winnie. I loved reading that too. And, you know, Just like maybe a week or so ago, someone said something in the group and they're like, well, Jen, you know, it was easy for Jen and she just lost all the weight. I'm like, y'all, no, it was not. (laughs) Did you not read my crazy story? It was not easy for me. Um, It finally, finally clicked. But I tried intermittent fasting from 2009 to 2014 and just crashed and burned repeatedly and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger over that whole time. So it, it did not come easily for me. It was something I had to emotionally fight against for a long, long time. And once I determined I was going to do this, I, there was nothing that was going to stop me at that point. And even then, it still wasn't easy. So, you know, we may make it look easy now. And now it truly is easy. It is effortless. But it certainly was not. So if you're having a hard time getting started, um, what was that, a five-year period that I just crashed and burned the whole time? So if you have less than five years of crash and burn, then you are like way more successful than me. So please keep that in mind. And thank you, Winnie, for that feedback. I think it's really important just to be open about everything and let people know that things aren't easy. Because like for my on my end, I've had about four or five years of like – you know, digestive problems. And I get so many emails, like direct emails from listeners being like, I have the same problems. Please help. So yeah, things, things are never, they're not necessarily easy, even if we make it seem like it. But it's really motivating to know that, first of all, that other people experience the same struggles, but also that you can always move forward and make progress and things can always go up from here. That's right. And it's just a matter of figuring out what works for you. And just, you know, as long as you don't stop trying. 
that's that's it. And I had stopped trying for a while, and then finally I was like, no, no more. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to do it now. And I just had to be in the right place emotionally. But there's so much emotion tied with food, especially if like Winnie and like me and and like you too, Melanie. We we dieted for so long. You got to undo all that. So it's important to know. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. All right, now we've got some feedback from Kim, and I love this one so much because this is after I talked about when I was on my trip and I was sneezing like crazy, and so Kim gave us this feedback, sneezing when eating more, and Kim says, hi, ladies, Jen discussed on podcast 51 her increase in sneezing when eating all day. It could be snatiation. 
I hope that's how you would say it, but I think it is. Snatiation is a combination of the words sneeze and satiation, which means being full or satisfied. It refers to a relatively common but poorly understood condition that causes people to sneeze uncontrollably after a large meal. It was first mentioned in a letter to the Journal of Medical Genetics in 1989 by two researchers. They described the case of a 32-year-old man who sneezed uncontrollably three to four times after each meal. He told researchers that his father, grandfather, three brothers, one or two of his sisters, an uncle, and a cousin all had the same symptoms. Since then, there have been other reported cases of snatiation. However, there's not much research about the condition. It does seem to be associated with eating large meals that completely fill the stomach. The type of food doesn't seem to be a factor. Snatiation is likely genetic and doesn't cause any health problems. If you notice that you sneeze more after large meals, try eating smaller meals or eating slowly. Maybe that's what Jen was experiencing. It frequently happens to me when I am full. Just a thought. Happy podcasting. Best, Kim. See, I thought that was hilarious because, I don't know, maybe I have snatiation. <laughs> yeah, I never heard of that. <laughs> no, but, I mean, honestly, it, it's happened more than once when I've had a day of big eating. So, I don't know. Maybe that's why intermittent fasting has seemed to cure my allergies. I mean, it's probably a combination of inflammation, too, being down. But maybe I have, have this genetic thing. I've, now I'm going to have to, like, observe my parents when they're eating and more closely. people in general when they're <laughs> – But, you know, if it's genetic, I want to see if my parents Oh, right, right, it. right, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Next time I eat a meal, I'm going to watch for sneezing <laughs> with my parents. I did think of you because I, cause, because I eat, like, pretty much the same certain types of foods, and I tried – introducing avocado oil, which I never had before. So I had a ton of avocado oil. This was when I was doing my keto <laughs> experiment. Yeah. And um, I started sneezing after the meal. I was like, oh, that's – and I never sneeze. You have snatiation. <laughs> well, I, I think for me that means it was a uh, – Inflammatory. Yeah, because then I tried an avocado by itself like the next day and I got like the tingly mouth. So maybe oh, that's so interesting. Maybe avocados. You might be allergic to that. Maybe avocados are not my friend. I don't know. <laughs> I love avocado. I would be super sad about that. I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> do, you, do you eat much like guacamole or anything like that? Not in general, but I do love guacamole. Yeah, see, I'll eat like in the summer um, when it's really hot. I'll like stock up on avocados and I'll just open my window with an entire avocado. And I'll just eat it with salt and a spoon, and it's delicious. I kind of want to do, at the expense of sounding really crazy, like an avocado fast. Because you know, like, like just the, eat that. You know the um, the fasting mimicking diet, Walter Longo. Yeah. A lot of people who do their own hacked version of it, so they do like their own, because he he sells, you know the his, the fasting mimicking diet. Yeah, yeah he Prolon, like sells, I think it's called. Yeah, Is it Prolon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but a lot of people make like their own version of the diet with their own um with real food which I would actually prefer and I apparently you can well I don't know how right right this is but a lot of people do just avocados but they do like you know it's calorie restricted but I was thinking maybe I could just maybe I should try just eating avocados like just avocados for a week <laughs> see yeah, what feel. happens <laughs> 
I don't know. I get so tired of stuff if I just like I tried. There was that crazy egg egg fast diet that was going. You know. Oh my goodness! Wait, I tried, I tried that. Okay. Oh I my was, god. I when I was doing my um, like I said, my keto experiment last week, I got I went crazy on eggs one day. Goose eggs? No, not goose. Yeah. Yes, yes. No duck. Duck eggs. See, I've never had anything but chicken eggs. <laughs> well, I read that duck egg duck eggs are alkaline and chicken eggs are acidic. I don't know if that's true. I couldn't find any sources, but people were saying that on the interwebs. So I was like, oh, it's like the best of both worlds. I got so sick. Ah, remind me never to eat no more eggs. See, I love eggs, and eggs do. I do great with eggs, but. You were supposed to just eat eggs, only eggs. You could add, like, mayonnaise. You could add, like, butter or whatever. So I was eating, like, scrambled eggs. What I don't know. That was Jimmy Moore's thing, right? He did Came do that for it. a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, I don't know if he invented it, but he was doing it for a while. But um, I was, like, hating eggs by, like, day two. And I love eggs. So, <laughs> But I like my eggs with toast. I like my eggs with, <laughs> you know... On a sandwich, right? Egg sandwich. So eggs by themselves just didn't quite do it for me. I'm I'm the opposite. I do really well with typically going crazy, extreme, like one food. Oh, see, I don't. Not at all. Unless it's a food that ends up being problematic like the eggs. Yeah. So it made you literally physically sick. Yes. Like I I got nauseous. Okay. Ugh. Might have been the lysosome though. Because you know how the um, the eggs have – one of the reasons they're allergenic for a lot of people is because they have um, – in the egg white, they have – because <laughs> the egg needs to be protected, like the yolk <laughs> needs to be protected. So there are natural compounds in the white that can be um, allergenic for people. That's a reason that people are often allergic to eggs. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it is definitely a common allergen. Alrighty. So we have another feedback email. This one comes from Sandy. And the subject is migraine feedback, episode 51, and a question. And Sandy says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I just listened to episode 51 and and as a lifelong migraine sufferer, I wanted to offer some advice and insight to Michelle, who is suffering migraines during the transition to IF. First, I want to give a little background info about my journey to explain the reasons for my advice. Like Jen, I've tried keto more than once with no weight loss. I tried it last summer and stuck with it only about two months. I suffered severely from keto flu and my migraines did get worse. I also had normal headaches during this time, but both were terrible. Recently, a relative started selling exogenous ketones for one of those pyra- for one of those pyramid companies, so I agreed to give them and keto a second try in January 2018. I committed to doing both for three months. This time, the exogenous ketones did make the transition to to the keto diet much easier. I still had some migraines, but at my typical frequency. When I was lamenting to my sister that I was not losing weight despite the expensive ketones or strictly being on the diet and eating very little, she mentioned she was trying 16-8 IF. I had never heard of IF, so I was intrigued, and being a fan of health podcasts, I did a search and found your podcast, which I love. Thank you so much for this podcast. It is so helpful to so many people. In the past, getting very hungry was absolutely a migraine trigger for me. I was amazed when I tried keto and ketones this year that I was able to go long periods of time without eating. The ketones helped with appetite control. 
without increased headaches. I did not suffer any keto flu this time. From my experience, I agree that starting with a keto diet first, then transitioning to IF makes it easier to adapt because I just did not get hungry on a keto diet. So here are my tips for Michelle. Number one, she might try a keto diet and gradually lengthen the time between meals. Number two, she might want to try exogenous ketones during the transition. They're very expensive, so now that I'm no longer transitioning, I no longer use them, but I do think they help my body in the process of transitioning from a standard American diet to keto, then to IF. Number three, IF may help her discover food triggers. I like this one. <laughs> when I eat something that does not agree with me now that I am fasting, I know it immediately, which is such a great perk of IF. Once she has adapted, she may find foods that are contributing to her headaches, which is a great motive to stick through the rough transition. My boyfriend and I both suffer from migraines. By doing IF, we discover that gluten is a trigger for me and sugar is a trigger for him. I really, really do like that one. This is me talking. Okay, number four. I have no research to, su to support this last suggestion, but it really has greatly reduced my migraines. A friend related that her migraines were reduced by getting a, how, how do you say it, Jen? I would a, say date, but I don't know. I don't a know date piercing? I, I looked it up. Is. It's the piercing on your ear. Um, it's on your ear lobe somewhere. Or it's, like on I think the cartilage it's, I like, part? Yeah, I think, yeah. Okay. Um, so I decided to try it. Since getting this piercing, I have had way fewer headaches. I should also mention that I'm 52, so this is not a common piercing in my peer group. So I was a bit self-conscious about it at first, but now I wear it proudly because anything that helps me reduce migraines is worth trying to me. Migraines are really debilitating, so I hope that some of the suggestions may be helpful to Michelle and others transitioning to the IF lifestyle to um, do so with less pain. Can I just jump in here real quick before you get to the question? Yeah, I think that um, that Sandy's suggestion is a good one as far as like the transition period. You know, if, if you read Delay, Don't Deny, I have a section in there about transitioning to the eating window and I actually talk about it and we've mentioned it before on the podcast. As you are adjusting, you do not need to go straight to whatever you think your long-term, you know, maybe you want to be one meal a day one day. I wouldn't necessarily start there. So she mentioned using exogenous ketones during the transition. I talk about using low-carb breakfast, low-carb lunch, gradually pushing it back during the day, you know, to help you transition. We've talked before about possibly bulletproof coffee just for the transition period. I have that in my coffee blog. Then wean yourself off of it. There's nothing wrong with that. You just don't want to have it long-term. That's, that's The goal is to help you transition. I wouldn't recommend doing bulletproof coffee during the fast long term, no. But if you're trying to adjust to fasting, that would be the time that perhaps you would want, want to do those things, like she suggests. But definitely not what you want. You, you want your body to be doing these things on, on their own. You want to be making your own ketones from your own fat. And especially today, since we talked about the fat that we, we don't want, necessarily the high levels of ketones all the time you know the, the indication of metabolic health was having the lower levels all the time because the higher levels will, were associated with an excess energy state which is what we're trying to counterbalance with the fasting but um, it, it can be confusing when we make recommendations like you know hey have exogenous ketones because we don't recommend those during the fast but when you're adapting and adjusting there, there are things you need to do um kind of as a crutch to help your body adjust. Yeah, definitely. 
And then I also love like what she said about the food sugars. That's my favorite mm -hmm. um, because with IF, when you go into the fasted period, it really allows things to reset. And then if you try a certain food, you can really tell how it makes you feel. Absolutely. Even though, even though um, immune reactions can be that, I mean, that said immune reactions can be um, immediate or delayed, so they can happen up to three days later. That's why, have you heard of the rotation diet? I have, yes. So that's where like you, you I, think, I think every four days, you don't eat the same, you eat something different every four days. And so then apparently that like lets you see if you're reacting to things. Yeah. There's lots of different ways to, to, you know, to do an elimination diet and see what, what might be a problem for you. Lots of strategies. All right. You want to move on to her question? Sure. So she does have a question. She says, Jen, I heard you mention the, vi the vibration plate on a podcast and looked on the web for the vibration plate. I did some research and see that it can help with painful conditions as well as weight loss and cellulite. Could you talk about how you came to use a vibration plate and how you use it? How often do you use it? Do you do exercises on it or just stand on it, etc.? I decided to invest in one of my own and, and I'm just getting started using it. I already feel like it is helping my back pain. Time will tell if it helps with weight loss. Thank you both for the podcast and the books as well as the Facebook groups and blogs. They have all made me a believer in IF as a lifestyle. I'm losing weight slowly, but I've only been doing IF for a short time. Already, I feel so much better, and I know this lifestyle is a great fit for me. Sandy. So, Jen, do you want to talk about the vibration plate? Yes, I will. Um, the one that I use, I have it linked um, on jenstevens.com. I have a favorite things page, and the one that I, I got on Amazon is linked there. And um, I think it's like $250 or something. I bought it in 2015, and it's been it's been holding up fine since then. Um, you know, the people who sell the more expensive ones that cost thousands of dollars will tell you that you have to have the kind of motion that theirs do that a less expensive one will not do. So, you know, take that with a grain of, of salt. I was not willing to spend thousands of dollars on a vibration plate, and I figured vibrating's vibrating, <laughs> and I've been happy with this one. Um, when I read about it at the time, when I decided to purchase, it did talk about, you know, your lymphatic system and getting things moving. And so I liked the sound of that. And also, I was familiar with the idea of, you know, strengthening your core by sitting on a, on a balance ball or by um, a wobble board or something like that. And, you know, those little movements where you have to constantly be, um, you know, catching your body, they, they strengthen your, your core muscles. So that's the theory behind the vibration plate, that it, it is vibrating so quickly that your body is having to constantly shift to um, – to control for those motions. So they did a lot of research on them in, in Russia and they did research with astronauts um, with the vibration plate. And so I just decided it seemed like something I would like to like to have. So I got one and I'm not very consistent with it. Um, but when I am, I do feel that it, it like I'm more likely to be consistent with it during the summer when I'm not working every day. And of course, when I retire, I would like to use it hopefully like back to my summer routine, but I do feel like it helps with muscle building. Um, also great for getting thing, things moving in the body, which is why it may have the benefits for cellulite. Um, you know, I don't know that there've been any clinical studies that actually prove that it helps with cellulite, but 
that you know you can you can search for research there is research out there showing that um the vibra the vibration plate does have some benefits when it comes to muscle building but um i just really like it now what do i do on the vibration plate well it depends on how i'm feeling that day i may just kind of stand there <laughs> and i might like do some little bit of squatting down, you know, just to, I can really feel it working like my thigh muscles. If I stand a certain way, I have weights that I'll use that I keep beside it and I'll pick them up and I'll just hold the weights in different positions. And you can really feel it working your muscles. And I might hold them over my head or, or behind my head or, or out, you know, working my biceps. And, um, they actually have, you know, books and diagrams and weights that you can do with the vibration plate if you really want to do something specific. But I'm mainly like watching TV and standing there and just <laughs> doing my my lazy vibration plate exercises. But I really do like it. Um, I think it's 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 a good way to build muscle. It seems like it is for me. You know, I've got fine muscle tone. I'm not going to go to the gym and work out. And I mean, I know that about myself. I'm not going to go to the gym and, and work out no matter how many. We actually, when we, I've never mentioned this on the show, but it's really kind of funny. When we bought this house, Melanie, the, pe the people that had owned it before us had the, um, gosh, I wish I could remember the brand name. She had a gym in the basement. We've now converted it to a TV room, but it had all of the equipment that you would find, like professional grade exercise equipment that you would find, Nautilus, it was Nautilus brand, like expensive, expensive stuff. And she actually ran a workout group out of the house and it was so big, she just left it here. I mean, it was like all the machines that worked every part of your body. Have I ever talked about this? No, but after I went to college, my sister went to college and it was just my brother at home. His like Christmas present one year, my parents, they built, they built, they changed the attic. <laughs> I was so jealous because his, my, he got my old room, uh -huh. which attached to the attic. And when I was there, it was always the attic. And then we move out and my parents changed it into a gym and they, they got all that equipment. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Exactly. Yeah. And when we moved just now, they did the same thing. They just left the equipment. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, guys, yeah. I was like, you should sell this. They're like, no, it's like too heavy to deal with. Yeah. I was like, but it was, it was oh. so much equipment. It had the stuff for the chest. It had like everything like you would get at the gym. My point for this story is when we bought the house, that was such a positive thing. We're like, we're going to be in the best shape ever. No, we didn't even use it. We had a gym in our basement. We didn't. My point is we didn't even use it. Like I used. So is it still no. there? <laughs> <laughs> we got rid of it. Um, we did you sell? No, it? we had to give it away because no one, no one wants to buy used gym equipment. Apparently, it really. Yes. I mean, it was like really, really fancy stuff. But we found somebody who owned a gym, and they sent somebody. I mean, we're just, I think, lucky we didn't have to pay somebody to take it out. Honestly, um, but this is this is how much I am not going to go to the gym. I am not going to go to the gym when I have a gym in my basement of Nautilus professional equipment. So. Um, the vibration plate, though, is the only piece of exercise equipment that I have ever stuck to. I feel good when I use it. So I haven't used it that that religiously over the, the winter because I've been so busy. But I think that when summer starts back, I'll, I'll get back on it. And you only do it for like 10 minutes at the time. So maybe every, every other day for 10 minutes, I can do that in the morning. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll, I'll be buff. I really like it. And it's not expensive. 
And like I said, it's the only thing that I've used over time. Like, you know, you get an exercise bike and then it turns into like where you just throw your clothes. <laughs> but the the vibration plate I have continued to use since 2015. So I want one. Well, you should get one. The one that I got on Amazon, it's like I said, it's like 250 and it's got great reviews and it's really held up very well. And if something happened to it, I think I would buy a new one. Oh, wow. That's that's how you yeah. know. I feel like I would replace it. And, I, you know, three years later, I've gotten my money's worth out of it. You know, it wasn't expensive. It was a lot cheaper than I think a gym membership would have been for all that time. Speaking of exercise equipment, one of the last lingering things in my storage unit is a treadmill which I'm trying to sell. Yeah, it's really hard to sell big old exercise equipment. So if anybody in LA wants to buy a treadmill for pretty cheap. We also had two treadmills down there. I mean, wow. she had, the the owner had like a little, her friends would come over and work out and she like worked for Nautilus, I think. And I don't know, it was interesting. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They would come and do, we have an indoor pool down there and they, which have, is another oh, whole wow. other story. You have a, yeah, we have an wait, indoor wait, pool. Wait, 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 yeah. wait. And I want to hear more about your house now. <laughs> so it's a very interesting house. It was built in the forties and the family, we bought it from the family that initially built it, but they just added on to it like crazy over the years. Um, I want to hear about it. Here so in, the, well, you have an indoor pool. We do. We and do. And you have an outdoor pool. And we, right. Well, we filled, no, we don't have the outdoor pool. We filled that in when we moved in. When we moved in, we had an indoor pool and an outdoor pool and this extra, I mean, it was crazy. I'm actually, we don't heat the indoor pool. We haven't heated, you have to heat it to swim in it, but we haven't heated it for years because it, people, the kids were not really using it. But now that I'm about to retire, I might take up swimming. Does it, I have questions. So an indoor pool, does it get... Not that you, it, would be, it would be gross, but does it get moldy? Like, is that a problem? Oh, no. Mm-mm. It doesn't. I mean, you, you you run it just like you run a regular pool. It's got um, – we have we added a saltwater system when we moved in. So it's a saltwater pool, and it chlorinates through the natural saltwater. But you have to heat it to swim in it. Even when it is the dead of summer and it's 105 degrees outside, you're not getting direct sunlight. On, in the indoor pool because it's got a roof over it. So it, it's too cold to swim. We only really used it like big time one summer. And it was like the gas company had like a special thing where, you know, we live in Georgia. So they said, if you switch to us, you will, we will give you free gas for June, July, and August. You know, how much gas do people use in Georgia in June, July, and August? We said, okay, sign us up. So we got free gas for the entire summer, and it, the boys were the perfect age, and we kept that heat, that pool heater cranked up, and it was great. And I swam, and they swam. Is and, it big? But it really, I mean, it's just, a, this, it's the same size pool that people would normally have in a backyard. Oh, wow. I mean, it really is interesting. It's it's not fancy, though. I mean, it was put in probably in the 60s. Um, that's what, that's our guess. And then you filled in your pool outside? The outdoor, now the outdoor pool was so old. It was like before the days of skimmers. It didn't even have a skimmer. It, and it was all, had like sunken in a little bit and it, it needed some major work. So we just filled it in. Do you have anything else like really crazy in your house? My house is just very interesting. 
<laughs> we think there's probably stuff we don't know about it yet. Like, there, you know how if you ever watch Lost, they had the hatch that was like, they found the hatch. Somewhere we're pretty sure we have a hatch or like a bomb shelter. We just haven't found it yet. I want to see your house. <laughs> well, well, if you're ever in Augusta, it's it started off as a tiny little cottage with like, I think it might have had two bedrooms when it was first built. No way. But then they, they added on and the family just lived there. And as, you know, as their business became more successful, they just kept adding, they had like four kids and they kept adding on and they built this wing over here in the sixties and this part. And it's just interesting to see what they've done, but it still maintains its small house charm. It's like the Winchester. Maybe. No, it's not, it's, it's not a big house. It's, it's just, you know, it looks like a one story ranch house from the street, but it goes like down, we're on a hill. And so all that's in the back. But it's not a fancy house at all. Like one time the ceiling caved in because the roof was leaking and we had to have that fixed. It's just, you know, old house issues. But I love it. I love the house. I, ha- I have been dreaming about my house like every other night now because we my parents just sold it. And I never had oh. like that final goodbye. Right. Mm-hmm. So I keep having dreams about my house. It's really sad because I really, we had a really interesting, lovely house. Like everybody loved my house. It was like, and it was like the party house. So I I would always have like the Christmas parties and everything like that. We had a really lovely like movie room and I'm a big movie fan and it's all gone. Yeah. Well, apparently my house was the party house throughout the whole 70s and 80s and (laughs) before we bought it. We bought it in 2005. But every person that ever came over to do anything said, oh, I came to a party here in the 70s or whatever. Oh, my goodness. That's so so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I had the Junior League Christmas party at my house um, one year. And all the sustaining Junior League members from like way back, they, they they weren't usually going to a lot of the Christmas parties, but they came to this one and they all had a story <laughs> about my house. If only these walls could talk, right? Speaking of just giving away stuff, my parents also just gave away our pool table. I was like, you mm-hmm. can sell these things because this is coming from me who's like completely broke. These are things you really can't sell. Like people don't want a big old big stuff like that. My mom was like, no. I would just have somebody come pick it up. I was like, it's a pool table. Yep, it's true. But anyway, I'll let you know if I start swimming in the summer. I would really like to swim because I love to be in the water. So I'll do my, once I retire, I think I'm going to have to, you know, find new things to do. Like, well, I have a lot to do, but the swimming, the vibration plate, I'll keep y'all posted. <laughs> Perfect. Part of the problem is the big spiders. Is what? What? We have big spiders oh, oh in that no. room because oh, it's no. so humid, and I don't <laughs> – that was probably why I abandoned it. So if my husband can figure out a way, they, like, get up in the ceiling because uh-huh. it's humid in there from the pool, right? So, But, I mean, they're not, like, bothering you or coming down to you, but it's just here in, in Georgia, the big spiders like the damp regions, and I'm not a big spider person. I'm not either. And also when we were moving, apparently – we brought in spy like because we my mom was putting stuff into a storage unit and somehow there were some brown recluse spiders that got in the storage unit and so then they like there was like one I think that they saw in the house and we had to it was crazy what what they had to do to the house like uh, to get rid of it the whole house 
Well, this is why I can never have a, a live Christmas tree ever again because somebody told me a, a spider Christmas tree story and it like scarred me for life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, this on... has just been a smorgasbord of information. Know. <laughs> now everybody knows about our houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have the most unusual house of anybody I know, but I love it. Oh, man. <laughs> Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see different Differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher, and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the 
the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. Yeah. All right. Shall we Shall we get to our first question? Yes. <laughs> All right. This question is from Naomi. Okay. This question is from Naomi and the um subject is multiple. See below. So we have um several questions. I'm going to read the we have two, I'm going to read the first one first, then we'll talk about that. Then I'll read the second one. The and first and one I will is, point out um Naomi submitted a question on our last podcast so this is her follow her other questions we only okay, got to follow we only got to okay. one of her questions yeah okay so here's the rest of naomi's yes. questions all right hunger while doing if what is normal hi melanie and jen this is kind of a long one so i'll jump right in i've been doing if since july and enjoying a 16 8 lifestyle i love your podcast however when i read comment sections on Jen's blog and listen to the things people say on the podcast and in the Facebook group, I get a little discouraged. I hear people say they have, quote, no hunger. It's, quote, super easy to fast upwards of 20 hours daily, and they, quote, don't notice not eating until a late dinner time. I know Jen's position on fasting clean, and since I started listening to the podcast and realized my sweetened morning coffees weren't okay, I've stuck only to black tea, water, and unsweetened teas during the fast. I have noticed that I usually get two instances of hunger pangs, one during or right before my morning workout, which is usually about an hour of moderate to heavy exercise on a stair stepper, running or weightlifting, and another later in the afternoon, about an hour or two before I open my window. It's not too difficult to get through. Sometimes I listen to your podcasts for a little bit or read one of Jen's blog posts to remind me of why I'm doing IF, and then within 20 minutes, I'm not feeling hungry anymore. I feel good for many hours after that. So much of the time, I consider the fast pretty easy. But I do have usually two small instances throughout the day where I experience hunger for a bit. And in those instances, I wait it out and it goes away. But reading the comments people leave and the way you two talk about IF, it makes it sound like fasting is the easiest thing in the world and you never feel hungry at all. I don't see what else I could do differently during the fast, but I also don't know if feeling these moderate, relatively short, passing waves of hunger is a completely normal part of IF that people just don't dwell on, or if I'm doing something wrong, or perhaps my body is not suited to IF. Any feedback you two have on this would be very appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, so I think this is a this is good timing for this question because we kind of talked about this earlier, but as far as we make it can seem like it's easy and that it's <laughs> effortless, but like we talked about earlier, there's definitely a transition period for people and it's definitely completely normal to experience, you know, roadblocks or hurdles. But as long as you're making forward progress, I think that's the key. 
what what's the phrase about is it once i always forget it's like one step forward three steps back three steps forward one step back whatever what is it i don't know <laughs> that sounds good three steps forward two one steps step forward back. one step back i think about that a lot what are your thoughts about hunger well um naomi it's true we do have periods of hunger that are that are fast. They they the way you describe them as moderate, relatively short passing waves of hunger. That's exactly what it's like. And I always liked it happens like when I first wake up in the morning, I might have a little bit of it. And I I always like to think of it. I don't know if this is true physiology physiologically or not, but I always like to think that this is my body making the transition from the fed state to the fasted state because maybe it's been 12 hours since I last ate or something. I don't know. So it comes and it goes very quickly. Um, I know I talked about this on an earlier podcast, like I timed it and it was like two minutes or something and then it was gone. So no, it is not a sign that you're doing something wrong. And it's actually easier to ignore than like the, I have to eat right now or I'm going to die kind of hunger that you get when your blood sugar is really like on that blood sugar roller coaster. So the key is that the way you described it is the way it should be moderate, relatively short, and passing, and a wave. Hunger is a wave. It comes, and then it goes. That might be the time when, depending on the time of day, maybe I'll have um, have another cup of coffee. That always takes care of it. Or I might have some, um, some mineral water at that time, or a fizzy water, or just a regular water. Or if it's winter, a cup of hot water, if it's in the time of the day when I'm no longer having caffeine afternoon. So, yeah, a liquid will usually take care of that and, and it's gone. But it is easy to move past it instead of like, oh, my gosh, if I it, – it's not hangry, you know, for me. That's not how I feel it. I mean, it, maybe other people do, but but I do not. You also mentioned that – um. oh, you said you get it before your morning workout. That's interesting. So maybe that's your body switching over to fat burning and then you do your, I was thinking maybe you got it right after your workout, but if you have it right before your workout and then it goes away, it might be your body switching over to fat burning during the workout. And then it takes, you know, now you're getting your good solid energy source from your stored fat. Yeah. And I think what you said is really key about how it's not like the dire hunger that you get from the blood sugar type swings. Right. Because that's the kind that is like, oh my gosh, you're shaky and you have to eat right that minute. It's a different kind of feeling. Yeah. I don't really ever eat like starchy vegetables. And I tried eating some rutabaga, and um, which is higher sweetness. And I guess it was like a reactive hypoglycemia, blood sugar type response. But I got that feeling of that like die or hunger. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I forgot what this felt like. Like, yeah, need to eat all the th- it's things. It's true. <laughs> Yeah, that actually happened to me on Friday a, um, a little bit. I I can fast all the time, no problem. But we had a thing at school. I talked about this on the Facebook group. I had a thing at school where the the library media was having um, the book fair. So breakfast was all set out, and then lunch was all set out. And I went in and got my black coffee, no problem. For lunch, I didn't want any of that. But I grabbed a bag of Doritos to save for later because I do love Doritos. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'll just take this home with me. And one day when I just need a little something salty or whatever, I'll have it. So it sat on my desk. And, um, you know, I never have any trouble during the fast. 
at school. But for some reason, just they just sat there and they looked at me all day long. So at about 3.15, I was like, I am just going to eat those Doritos now. <laughs> so I did. And um, then I was immediately starving. <laughs> and I was like, now I have to eat something else. And so they had sub sandwiches and I went and got a little bitty sub sandwich, but it had some meat and I needed, you know, something like that because something refi heavily refined is not a good choice for me to open my window like Doritos. I can have them with a meal. I mean, I don't usually sit around and eat Doritos, but I they're just, there's something I love. I love them. Was it the cheesy Doritos? Those were yeah, my favorite. Oh, they man. are nacho I cheese. I, oh, I haven't thought about those in forever. I don't buy them just because, you know, we all have things that we have a hard time with. And and for me, Doritos and also chips and dip. But I'm really fine. Like my mother always puts like she buys one of those snack pack things and puts them in everybody's stockings. Everybody gets gets those at Christmas. And she always gives me the Doritos and I gather them all up. And as long as they're in the pantry, I'm fine. Like Three weeks later after Christmas, they'll still be in there, and I might have one here and there. But just something about them sitting on my desk all day. They called my name. I mean, I can have chocolate bars sitting on my desk. They don't bother me. I can have, you know, bowls of candy. They don't bother me. But something about those Doritos looking at me, I was like, I am just need to have those right now. <laughs> For me, it's the Pillsbury. Anything Pillsbury Doughboy. Wow. Uh yeah, see, I'm I'm not a big sweets craver. It's not the sweet stuff for me. It's that salt, the salty. It's not the sweet for me. It's like the the starch. I mean, it's the starchy, like the cakey sweet. So yeah, like the, okay. the 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 floury, the grains. <laughs> yeah, see, those don't bother me at all. Like I don't I don't crave those. I don't crave them. But knowing about gluten is amazing for me, in that it just makes me it just makes me just not even. I'm like no. Yeah. I, it makes it very easy for me to say no. If if gluten wasn't a thing, I think it would be harder. I could more easily yeah. justify it. Yeah. Well, see, they don't make me feel physically like like food intolerance. It's just a matter of the the quick blood sugar response. That's the problem. Like if I had had if I had went ahead and just had a sub and the Doritos at the same time, I wouldn't have had the the crash that I felt, and I wouldn't have been so hungry. For me, it, it's a matter of keeping it all together. And not, not having a a highly refined item to open my window. That just does not work for me. I can have all the highly refined items that I want to have later after I've eaten real food. But um, not a good way to open my window at all. And I know this. I don't know you if know. we talked about this when we had last week's episode about like the, the binging and the overeating. But that might be a key thing for people who are struggling yeah. with with um eating too much is, is opening the window with something substantial. I think we did talk about that. I think so too. So. And it's just also knowing what your triggers are and me knowing that it's best. And like the, the single serve Dorito bags that my mother puts in the stocking, that's probably better than if she gave me a whole, you know, king size bag. Cause I would probably just sit there and eat, eat it. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had one of those in the house. <laughs> I don't think I'd feel very good after eating that though. So I'm not planning to try it. All right, should we get to the last part of, of her question? Yes, mm -hmm. she says, LaCroix closer to window opening. She says, I know you are strong proponents of the clean fast, which I follow. I've been doing IF 16-8 since July. But also know there are some things that you put in a gray area, lemon water, 
or mildly flavored unsweetened waters like LaCroix being one of those from my understanding. And I'm actually going to stop there because actually, no, the, um, the mildly flavored LaCroix waters, I have those solidly in the no area instead of the gray area. Lemon is, is more of a tart flavor and not so much a sweet flavor. That's why it's in the gray area. It does bother some people, but the, um, the flavored LaCroix area, um, the flavored LaCroix waters, I have solidly in the, the no category. So those are not in the gray area. So back to her question. My question is, sometimes I have a LaCroix later in the day because I'm just really tired of not eating and want something on my taste buds. I usually do this within an hour or two of the time I set my window to open. So like late afternoon and open my window at the predetermined time, regardless of whether or not I have a LaCroix. Is it okay for me to be drinking this? I don't know exactly if it makes me hungrier because I open my window not too long after, and that's usually around the time I get hungry anyway, but I still count the hour or so I might be sipping on LaCroix before opening my window as part of my fast. Is that okay? From the way you talk about lemons or lemon water and certain teas, et cetera, and other gray area things, it sounds like the worst part about them is if you drink them in the morning or throughout the day, it might make you hungrier and more likely to break the fast. If I only consume these things within a few hours of my predetermined breakfast time and follow that time no matter what, I usually try to use an app to tell me when it's time to eat again. Is it still problematic? Thoughts would be much appreciated. Thank you. And I have to say, um, no, for me. It's not the making you hungrier that's problematic. It's did it cause your body to release insulin, in which case it's going to stop your fat burning and interrupt the fast. So it's not about just does it make you hungrier. Yes, if something makes you hungrier, that can be a sign that it spiked your insulin, cleared out your blood sugar, and that's why you're hungry later from it. But the key is we don't want to spike our insulin. And our bodies are smart. And they've developed, you know, our our taste buds – let our brains know what's coming. So if you're having something, you know, like I know LaCroix makes a coconut flavored water. If you if you have something like that, your brain is going to think, oh, she's getting ready to have some coconut. And so then it'll release insulin in response to that. And so, you know, you're opening your window not long after that. So, you know, you may not recognize that it, you know, whether your hunger is from the fact that it's about time for your window to open or if it's because of the LaCroix. But this is why we recommend not to have the flavored waters during the fast. Not just because it might make you hungry, but it could be causing you to release insulin. And the key is we want to keep our insulin low, as low as possible during the fast. You know, that we talked about this as we opened up the podcast today, that the goal is low insulin. And so, I would not recommend LaCroix if you would like to be calling yourself in the fasted state. You know, as you're opening your window, have it. Um, or if you are if you don't mind saying, hey, I'm opening my window now. But you're already doing 16-8, which is a, a pretty long eating window already. So I would just suggest waiting. I mean, if you're having a hard time making it through a 16-hour fast – that's not a good sign that your you know it's, it's your body may not be super fat adapted. So I would suggest maybe trying to have even a shorter window and leaving out the Lacroix completely and see if that doesn't help. What are your thoughts, Melanie? So I've actually never tried Lacroix. Um, does it taste sweet? Well, they have a million different flavors. 
And so, you know, some of them are going to be sweeter than others. And what? Because I did have you researched what's in them? Well, they call it fruit essence and they call it quote natural flavors. But again, I had some um, uh, the thing that really convinced me was the reaction I had to the strawberry mineral water that only had natural strawberry flavor only. So it's like the same thing as they put in LaCroix. It was just the natural flavor of like the, the essence of the strawberry. And I had an immediate reaction to that and like got shaky. And so that made me realize, oh my gosh, you know, our bodies really are releasing insulin because they think I'm having strawberries. Yeah. Cause I, I did research what's in it and the natural flavor. Apparently it's a quote, clear concentrated natural chemical derived by heating the skins or rinds of fruit. I will say I do agree in general that the clean fasting is best, but I do think that some people might be able to, I think it's really individual. And so if I think if you could drink LaCroix and you don't get hungry at all from it, I think that could be telling. What if, um, what if there was a person just because there, it seems pretty I don't know. Well, it's hard to tell what those chemicals are. So here's a, here's a situation, Jen. What if there was a person who, not Naomi necessarily, but just scenario. What if there was a well, person? Well, I do want to say this about Naomi. Her question is how hungry she is. <laughs> it, it's true. So it's that's, true. Like her whole first question was, I'm really, really, really hungry. Right. This so, is normal. So for, so so for <laughs> Naomi, so, okay. So not, so this is just me asking you now. So, Na- so Naomi, no, <laughs> we're going to say no, Naomi. Uh, but say, th- say there was another person just out of curiosity. So say there was a person who, and I'm going to bring in what we talked about earlier. So what if they're doing fasting, they're not getting hungry during the fast. What if they're testing their, their ketone levels and they drink LaCroix, they don't get hungry from it, and then they test their levels still, and they're still releasing ketones. In that situation, would you be okay with it? Well, I'm not going to say yes to that, no. But I, but, <laughs> but seriously, because then if they're still releasing ke- – if they're not getting hungry, they're still releasing ketones. So, And what we talked about earlier, that would mean they're probably you know not releasing insulin. What? So I mean, it's, it's hypothetical, right? I, I actually think that our goal is to keep insulin as low as possible during the fast. So I personally would never recommend that somebody do something that could could make a change there. I think the metabolic and hormonal benefits that we're looking for with the fasted state are more important. But what if? But but that's my point in the question. What if it all indicators? I mean, if they are show. testing their actual insulin levels and have fasted insulin levels and. You know, I would like to see that experiment. That would be interesting. So if, if, oh, so in general, if somebody was testing their insulin levels. I mean, but we can't do that ourselves. You have to do that at a lab. I know, I know. Now, I'm just curious now. I'm just picking your brain. If So if yeah. there was a person. Oh, you're not going to get me to say, yes, go for it. You're not going to What, what, what if there's too. a person drinking LaCroix, they don't get hungry, they're testing their insulin, they're not releasing insulin. Bam. <laughs> I mean, what if the cows started flying. I mean, I don't know if someone absolutely is not releasing insulin. Like let's say they're a type one diabetic. You have to decide what, what is it that you're, what's your goal? We've actually had this discussion in the Facebook group about type one diabetics who cannot make insulin. 
And theoretically, if you cannot make insulin, then oh. obviously it's not going to cause you to release insulin. So we've actually had that conversation. So what, what, are your, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you don't want to raise insulin. If you're a type 1 diabetic and you cannot make insulin, then theoretically it, it might be all right for you. Now, I don't know what else is going on in the body, but just based on that one factor, you're not going to be raising your insulin because you don't produce insulin. Interesting. I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a whole lot going on in the body, you know, at the same time. So point being, things are complicated and you should make things easy on yourself. And clean fasting makes things easy on yourself. It does. It really does. But we always talk about how different our bodies are. And we just don't have, you know, if we had, if we did have a way to test our insulin response, and and could prove that, hey, this is not making my insulin go up. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the proxy version of, you know, measuring your ketones. If you actually could prove that your insulin is not going up, then theoretically, I guess it would be fine. But we just don't have that test available. Yeah. And since Naomi is struggling with hunger. With hunger. Um, but then again, so she's having it like right before her window. Well, she says she's having a really hard time getting to a 16-hour fast. And I don't think you should be having that hard of a time at this point since she's been doing it since July. And, well, she wrote this. This question is from October. So three months later, um, writing the question in October after doing IF since July, I don't think you should be having this much hunger still. That's a sign that um, something may not be working for her. Yeah. Let us know, Naomi, especially since it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Let us know how it's going. I mean, people people have hunger from lemon. Um, you know, that's one of those things that's in the gray area. A lot of people have trouble with, with lemon. People have trouble with green tea. That's one we hear a lot. You know, even though green tea is supposed to be fabulous for stimulating certain things that we want to have stimulated during fasting, like autophagy, like you mentioned earlier, people have a lot of trouble that's just one of the things that's common. I think, yeah, these things are better to experiment with after you've been doing IF for a while. Right. And if you want to start experimenting with other things. Yeah, that's that's what I have in the um, in the, the post, can I have while fasting? And um, can I have fill in the blank while fasting? And that, that's what the gray area, that's what I recommend. Make sure you know what the clean fast feels like because – if I did not know what the clean fast felt like, I wouldn't have known that that strawberry mineral water was such a problem for me. And then I had it, and I'm like, oh. I I had a problem from some coffee from McDonald's, black coffee. I don't know what they, they do or did, or maybe it was just something about that McDonald's. But I had a very specific reaction, and um, somebody else had the same thing happen to them. They're like, oh, my gosh, I remembered what you said. And I, I got super you know shaky after having this black coffee from this certain McDonald's. So... Just be aware of, of individual things for yourself. Once you know what the clean fast feels like, it's pretty obvious. Definitely. I feel like this has been a crazy episode. I feel like we it's went, been very interesting. We went, we went all, all around the, and all over the place. But we got some good stuff in there about um, yeah. the, the ketones and interesting things. Yes. All righty. So a few things before we go. 
If you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 54, that's where we're going to have show notes for this episode. So any references to anything we talked about and all the notes will be there. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. That's where we put links to all of the stuff that we like. So that's where you're going to see all the books, all the podcasts, all the supplements. You'll see that vibration plate that Jen likes, all the things. It's a very popular page. And then a few other things. If you're on iTunes, we would love, love, love if you could write a brief review of the podcast. That would help so much. It just really helps with spreading the word, building credibility, and everything like that. And we also have a new, new-ish Instagram account, so you can follow us at IF Podcast. We should get a Twitter, Jen. Oh, I, I'm going to have to figure that's out next, something with Twitter next... since I'm banned from Twitter. You're banned? Well, someone stole my account. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Do not tweet I'm, me. <laughs> I was going to start asking questions, but I was like, I should probably stop. Wow. Don't tweet me because it's not me. Yeah. Wow. And I can't, Do they I can't tweet fix it because I no longer – Well, no, they don't. But I no longer have the email address that I signed up for Twitter with. So I can't – they can't, like, rescue me. Twitter's like, sorry, I've lost Jen Stevens forever. Did you contact Twitter about it? I did, yeah. And they said – and they couldn't do anything? They're like, sorry, you, you don't have that email You couldn't email be like, anymore. here's my, here's my, here's my driver's license. I might try license. again. Maybe I'll try again. Now that you're becoming. No. <laughs> I do feel like I need to have a Twitter, right? Yeah. You should be like, yeah. look, this is my driver's license. Here's my social security. Here's my passport. Give me my Twitter account back. I would like to have it back. But yeah, they're like, sorry. There's like somebody else's picture there. It's not me. Oh. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. They're not tweeting, well, so at least. <laughs> don't tweet me, people. <laughs> on the on the list though, we should we should get a Twitter account. I'll add that to the to do list after after I move. Oy. All right. Yeah, I think that's all. Okay. Yep. Fabulous. Wonderful. I will talk to you in a week. <laughs> talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember. The opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.